got out of bed on a beautiful day. I applaud you for that. Thank you so much for being here. We believe that God has a special word for you this morning. And uh, but, but before we get into that, I have to settle one thing and one thing only, and that is the recording says Laurel. Just so that everyone knows, that is what has been going around the Internet this week. And um, it is Laurel. I know it is. So uh, for all you Yanny folks, uh, you're welcome to come back anytime to the Refuge Church. We love you for who you are and not what you hear. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, isn't that fun this week just to be able to talk about silly things? I just, um, things that don't matter uh, at all. Like for once we get away from politics and royal weddings just to talk about something silly like, Laurel or Yanny, uh, and it's just really, really funny. So, um, also, before I get into what I have to say today, didn't Mrs. Harold do an amazing job last week? Were you here? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Hopefully, hopefully, if you were not here, you had the opportunity to get onto our podcast and to listen to her talk last week um, about grit and fighting like a girl and... You know, it's funny. My dad is a Baptist pastor, and uh, which is really kind of funny when you have a woman speak at your church and your dad's a Baptist pastor and you talk, talk to him the following week. And um, he uh, he said, Adam, I heard Tanya's talk last week. Boy, you better be careful. She's going to out, outdo you. And I said, Dad, I outkicked my coverage when I married her. I outdid myself. Therefore, I expect her to outdo me for the rest of my life. So it's something that I know I knew would happen, but it's something that I knew God wanted because she had a word for us. And if you, uh, if you haven't listened to that, please get on um, our, our website and our messages. You can, look, you can listen to it there, or you can get on to the, onto iTunes, onto the iTunes for those of you um, that follow podcasts and things like that. It's just the Refuge Main. If you type in the Refuge Main in the search bar, you'll find um, our, all of our messages, um, today's included. So um, I just wanted to praise her for that, give her honor, because she did an amazing job. And I, don't, I just want you to know not to expect the same thing from me right out the gate, because I already know that, she, uh, that I've, I've got competition in my house when it comes to, to public speaking. She said last week's public speaking wasn't her jam. I think we found out that it was. So if you have your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, um, we want to give you one. We had, an, we had a church donate us a couple Bibles, or a, a lot of Bibles, actually. Um, and because they gave them to us, we want to give them to you. So if you don't have a Bible today, all it costs you is raising your hand. If you want to slip your hand up and just hold it there just for a second. Um, we've got a Bible that we want to give to you. That is your Bible. You can take it home. You can read it. Um, you can take it home. You can allow it to collect dust. But we believe that it's best when it's read. And um, so uh, if you've already received one of those Bibles, take another one. It doesn't matter if you forgot yours at home. We want everyone to be able to have a paper Bible. I heard one time that the brain retains better what it's read on paper than what it's read on a screen. And um, all you parents said, amen. I've told my kids that those screens are the devil. So, not funny, I know. But I'll get warmed up in a moment. You guys will laugh a lot. But you guys are like, you, she's already outdoing you. She was way funnier than you were last week already. So, um, either I'll get warmed up or you'll get woken up, one of the two. But um, we retain a lot better what's on paper than what's on a device. And so... Um, that's why I'm, I'm an old school. Every once in a while, I'll read a, I'll read a device um, at home when I'm doing my devotions. Um, but my favorite way to do it is with a pen and a paper, with a pen and a paper Bible so that I can underline, I can write in it, and I can remember what I read. So um, that's one reason why we, we give those. We're in the book of Genesis, chapter, uh, Genesis today, um, all over the book of Genesis, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited about today's message because I believe that it's, it's one that our church needs. It's one that every new church needs. And um, hopefully, hopefully it, may, it allows some things about the Christian faith, the Protestant Christian faith, to make sense. 
to some of you today. So um, I brought some things up here to help me along with uh, my message today. And, um, and, and so these are, just, these are just some ball caps. This is one of my favorite caps to, to wear. I'll wear it from time to time, especially during baseball season. It's my favorite hat because it took 105 years to earn because it's got the World Series 2016 World Series champion Chicago Cubs logo on it because the Cubs won the World Series 2016, and it took them 105 years to do it. So um, this is one of my favorite hats to wear um, because I'm passionate about the Chicago Cubs. It's just my team that I like. I do cheer for the Red Sox when they're not playing the Chicago Cubs, um, but um, when they're playing the Cubs, this is the hat that I'm wearing because um, I'm passionate about the, the Cubs. Another hat that I'm passionate about is uh, this one. This one is a uh, University of Michigan hat, which um, I see my Villanova fans out there that beat us in the national championship of basketball, but that's another day, another story for another day. And um, so this is this is the old school block M that Bo Schembechler used to wear. You guys don't know who Bo Schembechler was, but I do because my dad is from Michigan and he brainwashed me to be passionate about the Michigan Wolverines. And so I'll wear this during football season, during basketball season when they're good. Um, like this last year. Um, another hat that I like to wear is this one. This one I wear in the wintertime, so it's a, it's a little warmer. Uh, yeah, you guys are like, now he's speaking our language, right? Uh, I wear this one in February because that's when the Patriots play the most, right? Uh, they, there's, only, there's only one game in February, by the way. It's the Super Bowl. And um, so, so this, is, this is another hat that I'm passionate about about wearing, and um, Tom Brady went to Michigan, by the way. That, that might uh, get a little more uh, Michigan love there. Uh, another hat that I'm passionate about is one that I bought uh, when, uh, when, when we moved, or when we knew we were moving to Portland, um, I, I bought this Portland Sea Dogs hat uh, because um, I knew I was going to be in Portland. I wanted to be a part of the city before I got there. And one of the only ways that I knew to do that was to buy a Portland Sea Dogs hat and wear it in, New, in, uh, in the Midwest and have people walk up to me and say, oh, that's a cool hat. What team is it? It's the Portland Sea Dogs, the Portland name, because my family and I were moving there to start a church. And so I'm passionate about, about the Portland Sea Dogs, even though they're the affiliate for the Boston Red Sox. And eventually I have to watch kids like Raphael Devers, who's tearing it up for the Red Sox that used to play for Portland, and now I'm going to lose all my non-baseball fans out there, but I love watching the Portland Sea Dogs play, and another hat that I love to wear is this one right here, this one is uh, my Wyndham Little League hat, and I wear this one the most, to be honest, especially this time of year, because um, it is... It represents the city of Wyndham, which is where we started the Refuge Church. Um, it also represents my son's baseball team that I helped coach. Uh, and uh, I just, I love wearing this hat because it represents the town of Wyndham and, and the people of it. It represents the people of Wyndham. And then, this is my newest hat. Uh, and, and it is my Refuge Church hat. And... Um, these are available, and that's not, listen, th this is not the reason for this, for me wearing these hats. This, the reason I'm wearing these hats is because it has something to do with my message. But these hats are available for purchase <laughs> for $15 at, the, um, at the, uh, the guest central on your way out. And it's obvious why I'm, why I'm passionate about this hat. Not only is it a dope hat, but it's like, it's, it's, it's just, it represents you guys. And it represents what God has done. Uh, God has done some incredible things since March, March 5th of last year. And, and this hat doesn't just represent, doesn't represent God and, and what he's done in us, but he, it represents you guys. And so when you wear this hat, I want you to see that it represents you, it represents the people, and what God has the ability to do inside of you. And so, I'm passionate about this one. In fact, I'm so passionate about it, I think I'm just going to leave this one on for the rest of the day um, as, I, as, I, as I talk. Uh, 
But what I want to show you this morning is that this concept of wearing our passion on the outside, wearing our, our passion of what is inside of us and wearing it on the outside is actually a biblical concept. Believe it or not, when you wear a jersey to a game that represents the passion for your team, it actually is a, is a concept founded in Scripture. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. We can find it in, in the book of Genesis, chapter 15. We can see its beginning. Um, and we're going to be, again, all throughout the book of Genesis. And um, it's funny how people can wear things on the outside. They can, they can wear a jersey. They can wear a ball cap. Some of the crazies actually wear tattoos. I have a tattoo on my wrist that I wear because of for my love for Tanya. Um, it's, it's an ampersand that we both went and got at one time to represent our love for, uh, for each other because the ampersand is a symbol that connects two people together, Adam and Tanya. That's the reason for that. Uh, it was her idea, not mine. But I do love the tattoo. And so um, we mark ourselves with our passion that we have on the inside of ourselves. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. In Genesis uh, chapter 15, verse 18, um, we see this word that appears in Scripture. And this word is the word that represents the passion inside of us that, uh, that we, like, display on the outside. And the word is, is covenant or covenant relationship. In Genesis 15, verse 18, the first part of the verse, it says, So the Lord made a covenant with Abram on that day. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram on that day. We also have covenant relationships in our world today. And those covenant relationships are founded and based on an agreement. And the covenant relationships that we have today is the covenant of marriage. Marriage is a covenant. It's founded on the terms of for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, until death do us part. Those are the terms of marriage. Those are the terms of the covenant that we enter into with one another in the covenant of marriage. But notice that a covenant relationship doesn't just form. It doesn't ju- it's not just something that just we can just walk into. All covenant relationships require an invitation. They require an invitation. Some covenant relationships require a bunch of invitations. Like my covenant relationship required a bunch of invitations. Uh, my first invitation to Tanya was at a Dunkin' Donuts in Mil- Milton, Massachusetts. Um, I took her out for a cup of coffee. That took us uh, three hours to drink. It was a long invitation. Um, however, at the end of that invitation, she shot me down so hard. I mean, so hard. And after that invitation, um, I had to like I had to decide. All right, well, is this the girl that God wants me to marry or not? And so I and I had a professor tell me, Adam, some girls are worth a chase. And so I decided, all right, if she's worth a chase. Maybe I'll give her another invitation. Only this time, I'll be a little bit more discreet about it. And it won't be as invasive as, will you be my girlfriend? It'll be like, hey, could I, can I call you on the phone? And she was like, yeah, sure, you can call me on the phone. I'm like, yes! Like, there's a yes to this invitation. And I'm like, there's a chance. It might be a small chance, but there's a chance. And so... What happens with invitations a lot of times is sometimes, like, they re- it requires a lot of invitations before we actually enter into that covenant relationship. Um, and, and sometimes uh, it has to be a little less intense like it did for, for Tanya and I. God's covenant relationship with Abraham began the exact same way as my relationship with Tanya did, with an invitation. And God's invitation to Abraham was, is found in Genesis chapter 12, 
verse 1 through 4. Now, um, I just want to just, just say this right now. We're using a lot of Bibles today. I hope that, I hope you're with me. I hope that you're, you're right there. Don't, like, I don't want to lose you because this is a very, very important message. And you're already looking like you're glazed over, falling asleep. Like, why did I get my, what did I get myself into coming in and watching this guy put on these hats, talking about him and his wife? But stay with me because it's, it's worth it. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, it says this, The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country and your relatives and your father, fam, father's family and go to the land that I will show you. So time out. So the invitation to Abram is leave your home, leave everything you know, leave your father and your mother, and go to a place that I'm not going to tell you where you're going to go to. But I want you to go there. Carry on. Verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those that that uh, treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. Now, how many of you ladies know that that was a very hard sell for Abram to go to his wife, Sarai, and say, hey, honey, we're going to pack up the U-Haul. We're just going to start driving. And we're not going to, and I don't know where we're going to stop, but we're going to stop where God tells us to stop. Now, when we started the Refuge Church, if I would have gone to Tanya and said, hey, Tanya, we're going to pack the U-Haul, and God's going to tell us where to stop. And we just kept driving and driving and driving, and you can't drive past Maine and be in the United States. So, um, like, that's what would have happened. Like, that would have been insane. It would have been dumb. But that's exactly, in, in our modern-day context, that's exactly what Abraham and Sarah do. They leave their country, and they go to a place that God is telling them that they'll go. But notice what God tells him. He says, if you do this, if you obey me, I will give you the reward of blessing every family on the planet through you. An invitation from God always requires obedience. Now, we have the right to disobey, but the disobedience doesn't bring the reward. It's only the obedience that does. So, Abraham is offered this challenge or this invitation of leaving his country. And God says, if you do, I'm going to bless all the nations through you. So Abraham did it. Abraham listened to God. He accepted his invitation and he left. And that was the beginning of this old covenant that we find in the Old Testament. A covenant between Abraham and God that we just read about in Genesis chapter 15. So the Lord had made a covenant with Abram on that day. But it wasn't just because of his obedience. It was because of something else that we find in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. In Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 it says, And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Say his faith. His faith. It was because of his faith that Abraham was seen as righteous, as, seeing, as being seen as right with God. It was his faith that did that, not just his obedience to leave his country. It was far greater than his obedience to leave a country. It was his faith, and we're going to talk about what faith looks like. It's very important for us to understand what faith looks like for the context of today's message. Some of you have been given an invitation from God to enter into a covenant with him that you're just kind of checking out. You're not really sure if you want to be a part of that covenant or not. You just come to church every once in a while. You just come to church on a Sunday morning and you leave and you don't think about God the rest of your week. Some of you just, just come in and, and, and it's not a relationship. It's, it's just 
It's just you're exploring, and that's okay. You're perfectly safe here. Like, we want you here. You're in the right place. Maybe you just haven't gone all in yet. That's okay. But remember why God counted Abraham as righteous. Because of his faith. A lot of people believe in God. A lot of people believe that God exists. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of James that even Satan and the demons believe that God exists. Even they believe in God. In fact, look at James chapter 2, verse 19 through 23. You say that you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that the ancestors of Abraham, so here we go. James goes back to Abraham, goes back to the old covenant to show the new people, the the people of of the Gentiles that he's speaking to, to show them, Gentiles and Jews, to show them, remember the way that it was. He says, don't you remember the your ancestor, our ancestor Abraham, and was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, this faith and and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete, and so it happened just as the scriptures say. Now, watch this: Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. You see, the, the thing that separates people that just believe in God and people that have faith is people that have faith trust God with their life. They take their entire life and they put it in God's hands and they say, God, my life is yours for you to do what you want to, to do it with. That's why God tests Abram and said, Abram, leave your nation, leave your home. And just trust me. And he didn't give him a place to go. God doesn't always give us a place to go. We have to always trust him no matter what. And that's what separates us from the devil. Satan is not seen as right with God. Even though he believes in him. The reason for that is because he hasn't put his trust in Jesus. He hasn't put his trust in God. So the question to you you today is, have you put your trust in God with your life? And I believe actually that the scriptures tell us how to do that. How to trust God with our life. We do it the exact same way that Abraham did. With faith. And trust. We enter into a covenant relationship with God the same way that Abraham did with faith and trusting him with our entire lives. It all begins with belief. But belief goes to another level when we start talking about faith because faith equals belief plus trust. Write that down. If you're, if you're taking notes, write faith equals belief plus trust. Belief plus trust. How many of you dads know that there is no better feeling as a father than when you know that your kids trust you? You know, one of those like, like, dad, I'm jumping right now. I'm going to jump and I just want you to catch me. Like, you're going to catch me because you're my dad. When, when we lived in Illinois, uh, we had this real ghetto pool in our backyard. It was one of those, like, intact pools that we could never get right with the water level because it was on a hill. So it was like the water was like this. You had a shallow end and a deep end, but you weren't supposed to. It was really kind of funny. And um, we loved, I loved, I loved that because um, even as shallow as the water was, I think it was just like four feet deep, but my kids were a little younger at the time. And my kids would be like, Daddy, Daddy throw me as high as you can. 
and we've got we've actually got pictures on my Facebook page of me just I, I was a little stronger then and a little less chubby and I would throw my kids up in the air and they would come crashing into the water because they knew that they could trust me to toss them into the air and know that they're going to land on the water and not on the ground outside of the pool. There might have been one or two that uh, might have actually landed outside. Uh, my wife's laughing because she knows that that's true. But there is no better feeling as a father than when you know your kids trust you. And it's the same way with God. I believe that one of the things that, that God lives for is to have us trust him. But he never forces us to. He only proves to us that when we trust him, he will reward us. Faith plus trust. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's how I know that God wants us to trust him. When we show God that we believe in him and we trust him, he says, now you're in a relationship with me. Now you're in a covenant with me. And so later on in the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verse 19 through 13, God actually says to Abraham, he says, all right, so now that we're in this relationship, I want, I want to know. I, I want to know that you mean business. And, and, and God had a very unique way in the Old Testament. Praise God, it's in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, he had a very unique way of saying to his people, show me you mean business. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 9 through 13, it says this. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. And all your descendants will, uh, all your descendants have this continued responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Listen to the covenant. These are the terms. Our marriage terms are for richer or poor till death do us part. These are the terms of God in the, in the covenant with the children of Israel in the Old Testament. Each male among you must be circumcised. Everybody say out. All right. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin, a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male, must, uh, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day of their birth. This applies not only to the members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. Verse 13, you must be, all be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark. Say mark. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. This covenant relationship between God and man began with a birth a physical birth, and then it was confirmed with a sacrifice, the sacrifice of an animal, of bloodshed, and then it was marked by circumcision. But don't miss why God had people, had the Jewish people circumcise themselves, or their, their, their boys. The reason for that is because I believe that God wanted this to be done for the children of Israel to, so that they would permanently mark themselves as being a follower of God, as being into this covenant relationship with God. So he would have them mark themselves through circumcision. Now, when I said I do to Tanya, I permanently marked myself, showing everyone that I am in a relationship with her. I did that by putting on this ring that I can still take off. How many of you fellas can't take your wedding ring off? I'm proud of that one. And so when I pledged and said I do to her and I pledged my love to her, I said I will wear this ring for the rest of my life and I will mark myself with this. And you know what's funny about this wedding ring is when you look at my hand, when you look at, at this hand versus this hand, I don't know if you can see it. I've got really chubby fingers, but... Um, this one actually has an indentation of how, and I've only worn this ring for 13 years. It's not long, but because I've worn it so much every single day, there's an indentation in the summertime. There's a suntan line. Come on, somebody. We, we can't wait for that com coming up. Like, I, I just want the suntan line for the, the wedding ring that I wear, the indentation. 
because I've marked myself with my love for him. Because on the outside of this previous, and, and, and here's, the, here's the thing, is, is that with this ring, when I put it on, I mark myself with, with my love for her, but if I take it off and I lose it, I like to take it off when I play golf, which I don't play golf that often. But I like to take it off when I play golf just because it, it, that's what messes up my golf swing. <laughs> but, but if I lose my ring when I'm playing golf, am I still married to Tanya? Yeah. This ring in my marriage isn't contingent on this ring. On the flip side, if I take this ring off and I were to give it to a single man, someone that's single, and I said, here, dude, you can wear this ring. Is he married to Tanya now? No, sorry, fellas, she's mine. You're not getting her that easy. Like, like, she's mine. And not only that, but when I take it off, I'm still married to her because she can't get out of it that easy. So the reason this ring has meaning is because of the previously established covenant that I have with her when I said I do. That's what gives the ring the meaning. It wasn't the act of circumcision that had meaning. It was the previously established covenant between God and Abraham that had the meaning, that brought the meaning to the, to the circumcision, to the marking. The story of Abraham is the old covenant. But what happens in the New Testament is that Jesus comes and he brings us an entirely new covenant. A new way to have a relationship with God. And so when Jesus comes onto the scene, the people of Israel have this, like, like they feel threatened. That the, here is this man that speaks on God's behalf that came to mess up this already established relationship that we have with God. And so here he is. What is he doing? And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus is speaking in what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And he explains to the people why he's come. And he says this. He says, don't misunderstand why I've come. He says right away, I know that you're doubting why I'm here, but don't misunderstand why I'm here. And he goes on and he says, this is why. I did not come to abolish the law. I didn't come to eliminate the covenant, he says. The law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. What Jesus is saying here is that I have come to hold up God's end of the deal. I've come so that God can be a part of this covenant in a whole new way. I'm here on God's behalf to tell you that you don't have to be a part of that old covenant the same way that you were. But things are changing now. And all the men said amen. Because you don't have to be circumcised anymore. And later on in John chapter 3, Jesus has this conversation with this man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus represents all the religious people, all the Jews, all the Jewish leaders. And this is what, he tell, what, what this conversation looks like. In, in John chapter 3, verse 2, and two through 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and, he, and he's representing the religious folks, and he's saying, um, he's digging a little deeper. Like, why is it that, why, really, why is it that you're here? After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born Again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying here is that the old covenant began with a physical birth, but this new covenant, it begins with a spiritual birth, and it begins the exact same way that the old covenant did, with a new birth, a spiritual birth, not a physical one. The spiritual birth begins and happens, it takes place, the exact same way that it took place with Abraham. 
with faith and trust, with belief and trust. So Old Covenant began with a, a physical birth. It was confirmed with the sacrifice of an animal, and it was marked by the circumcision of all the male child, children. Child, not a word. A last name, but not a word. The new covenant now starts with a spiritual birth, beginning with belief plus trust. Then it is confirmed with the sacrifice of a Savior, and everyone said amen. The sacrifice of a Savior. And then it is marked through what we call baptism. In the book of Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Gentiles, and he's telling them, in, in, in chapter 5, he's talking about how rich God's love is for us, and how great God's love is for all of us. And in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, it says this, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more his wondrous, wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, we can continue to live in we we uh, how can we continue to live in it? Verse three. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined with him in his death? For we died, we were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may live new lives. This is so powerful because now we have the ability to join with Christ in something that he's already done, to join with him in his death. And then jump down to Romans chapter 16, verse 12 through 14. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not live in the sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. You were, you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right to the glory of God. Verse 14 has so much meaning. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. You no longer re li live under the requirements of circumcision. You no longer live under the, under the old covenant, but now you live under the covenant of grace. But that doesn't mean that you continue to sin because you put it to death. You kill it when you receive Jesus as your Savior through faith and trust in him. And you trust him with your life. So sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the old requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The fact of the matter is, is that some of you are, have, have entered into that belief and trust in Jesus, and you've given Jesus your life. But you still struggle with your old sin. You still struggle with your old ways. You, you still just, just can't, can't get over it. You don't know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's because you haven't buried the old man. You haven't put it in the grave. You haven't buried it in baptism. You're living in, in your old sin because you haven't, you, you, you put it to death, but you're dragging that old stinky corpse along with you along the way because you haven't buried it. You haven't buried it in water baptism. When I got married, uh, I had a moment where I said, I do. It was at that moment when I said, I do, that I chose to be marked and put on my ring. The fact of the matter is, is, I didn't have to put on my ring at that time. But saying I do is why I was married. The commitment to my wife is why I was married. The covenant with her is why I was married. 
God knows that throughout all the years there have been sacrifice in our in our marriage. By the way, Bishop Michael Curry from I didn't get into the whole royal wedding thing, but his talk about the sacrifice of love yesterday was so powerful that 20 million people heard about the sacrifice of love, and it was just beautiful. My relationship with my wife began with I do. It was it has been confirmed with the sacrifice that we have for each other in it all the time, and it is marked with the wearing of my wedding ring. The old covenant began with a birth, began with with Abram's obedience. It was confirmed by a sacrifice of an animal, and then it was confirmed with circumcision. The new covenant between God and man is now even more beautiful than any of those. Because it begins by a simple invitation of believing in Jesus and following him. And then it is confirmed by a sacrifice of the Savior, and then it is marked through baptism. One of my favorite stories of the refuge church is um, at our very first baptism service that we did. We had a young lady that had been on our team that had been a, a follower of Jesus for quite a while. She, um, for her, the most, of, most of her life. But at the end of, of our service, um, she came forward and she was like, I, I didn't sign up for baptism, but it's time that I bury this old stinky corpse and that I, I get baptized. Because I've done it before, but it really didn't mean anything. I didn't leave it in the ground. I didn't leave it in the water. I didn't leave it there. I took it out of the water with me, and I just drug it around all over the place. And so we're like, yeah, absolutely. We've got clothes. You you can show up on a day that we're doing baptisms and decide that morning to to get baptized because we're prepared. And so she did, and she buried it. She buried that thing. She said, you know what? I want to wear the ball cap. I want to put on the jersey. It's time that I allow what's on the inside that I'm passionate about to be shown on the outside and be passionate about it. And some of you just need to, to, to show people that you're passionate about Jesus by getting baptized and by being marked. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18, I want to, this is the last portion of scripture we're going to read today. It's the, it's the last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. And this is what he told them. Jesus came to his, and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commandments that I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always to the end of the age. What Jesus is telling his disciples is you tell people about this new covenant and I will continue to rescue them. You tell people that they need to get baptized. They need to get marked so that people will know that they are my disciples and I will do the rest. And because of that, We have pledged to tell people about this new covenant. We have pledged to baptize people, to help them bury their old self and be new again. Now, the reality is, is that there's a lot of ways that people are baptized today. There's a lot of, a lot of reasons people have been baptized, a lot of different methods. And I live in New England, so I know that the majority of people were baptized as infants because they were raised in the Catholic faith. I want you to know this morning that if you were baptized as an infant, that's not wrong for you to be baptized as an infant. I believe that your parents had good intentions. They had good intentions in doing that. But what is wrong is you relying on that to get you to heaven. Because that's not what does.
belief plus trust is what gets you a relationship with God. That's, that's what the Bible says. The, the fact of the matter is, is you can't find an infant being baptized in Scripture. You can't find it. If you can find it, shoot me an email, adam at refugemain.church, please. I would love to read it. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that's, not, that's not there. So maybe you were baptized as an infant, and your parents had good intentions, but maybe you haven't put to death that old self. Maybe you haven't buried that old self in believer's baptism, in water baptism. And so I believe that God wants all of his followers to be marked, to be marked with baptism, to go public, to put to, to, to first we put to death by saying I do, right? By entering that relationship. And then we bury the old self. The fact of the matter is, is you, you must, in order to be seen as right with God, just like, just like Abraham, he was seen as righteous because of his faith. Do me a favor, bow your heads, close your eyes. Bow your heads, close your eyes, because listen, a, a message like this is, is difficult to, to give you a response to. Because I know that some of you right now are sitting in your seat and you're saying, oh crap. This means I have something I have to do. And it's one that requires courage. It's one that requires obedience. But remember, God always promises us a reward if we obey. We're not doing baptisms today, if that's what you're thinking. We're doing baptisms on June 3rd. So in just a couple weeks, we'll do baptisms. But we are giving you the opportunity to sign up for baptisms today. And we'll do baptisms again. It's not June 3rd. is isn't your only opportunity. But I believe it needs to be a priority. Priority to be marked saying that you're a part of this new covenant relationship with God. But here's the thing about that new covenant. Everyone that gets baptized has to first have faith. And faith is believing and trusting. And maybe there's some of you here today that have said, you know what, Pastor Adam, I've believed in God. But I'm just like Satan and, and his angels. I've not trusted him with my life. Because that's the first step. That's the first step. So if you're here and you're, you've not trusted God with your life, I want to invite you into this prayer with me. As you sit there, repeat after me. Say, God. It's time. It's time that I trust you with all of me. I believe that Jesus was your son. He came to this earth and he died for, my, for me. And because he died for me, I can trust him. And then he rose from the dead. And because he rose, I can trust him with all of me. Trust him to take me to heaven. Come into my life. And help me trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Because the fact of the matter is, some of you may need to take that next step. And, and maybe you just took the first step and it's time that you take the second step at the same time. A lot of times in the Bible, when someone would believe right away, they would go get baptized. We don't have that luxury. But maybe some of you have been coming and, and you, 
you've already believed, you've already trusted, but it's time that you bury that old self. I'm going to ask you to respond in a different way. I, want, I just want to get an idea about how many people will be baptizing on June 3rd. If you're here and you say, Pastor Adam, I know I need to get baptized and I want to get baptized. Would you just do me a favor? Would you slip your hand up? Anybody else? Anybody else? Pastor Adam, I, I know I need to do that. I need to go public. I need to put the ball cap on. For those of you that raise your hand, when you leave, and, and those of you that said the prayer, when you leave, we've got a next step station on your way out. Just stop by and see my friends Amy and Marcel. They love to write down your name, your email address, your phone number so that we can get in touch with you to tell you all the details about June 3rd. You can also respond by writing on the card of the worship guide and giving it to someone on your way out. Maybe you want to leave and think about it. Pastor Adam, I'm, I, I don't know. I, just, I, I need to think about this a little more. That's fine. Shoot me an email, adam at refugemain.church. I'll respond. Now, some of you are here and You're like, Pastor Adam, I've been in this, this new covenant with God. I've, I've been, I've buried my old self. I've been baptized. What, what about me? What about me? The very last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples was to go into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and tell people about me. Tell them about this new covenant. Make disciples. Tell people I love them. So your challenge is to tell someone. Tell someone this week that God loves you. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for what you've done. I pray that you would help us to live out the new covenant with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand and give God a hand for what he has done today? We're going to sing a song and be dismissed. Thank you, guys.